I just remember thinking like, and this is how a lot of my praying quote unquote with God went was, God, if you could just do this, I'll do this. There was all that bartering, there was a bartering relationship. Like if you can just heal my dad, then I'll quit drinking or I'll, so I was very angry because my dad is a, he was a good person. He was a sweet, caring man. And why him? Thanks for tuning in to the Building Better People podcast. This is your host, Charlie Lima. Today, I have Beth Dewermeyer joining me on the podcast. Beth is a previous guest on the podcast, and today you're actually not going to hear her fitness journey. You're going to hear her faith journey. Beth recently got baptized, and she shares how that decision came and really where she's been spiritually in the last year. You're going to be inspired by her story. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Beth Dewermeyer, and um, I am uh, 35 years old. This is my fourth time on the podcast, and I, I wanted to say that I'm 35 because for the last six months, my birthday is in June, I thought I was 36, and I was talking to my sister this weekend, and I mentioned something about, like, the age range of my small group. And I said, oh, there's somebody's 40 and, and I'm 36. And she turned around and she goes, Beth, you're 35. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're 36 this year. And she was like, no. And so I had to pull out the calculator and I'm actually 35. So and you I'm, legitimately forgot. I forgot. How old you were. Yeah, that's. That well, means you're too busy, Beth. I, well, it, that's called <laughs> welcome to your 30s. <laughs> like, you just forget how old you are. So anyways, um. I am a program manager at the School of Innovation at A&M, and um, I have been here at the gym for uh, like three three years now, and um, I go to Brazos Fellowship. I've been there for just over a year. Um, Charlie, you were the one that got me to start going there. So. And let's not forget your, I mean, your real job, which is BCS Classic Social Media. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> School of Innovation is my side job. <laughs> I run all of the social media for the BCS Classic. So if and you have... if Rich Running's in town, you're always available to be his. Yes. And yeah. I I like how I offered a million times to be his person when he was there at the Classic. And you're like, no, 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 you'll be, you'll be too busy doing social media stuff. And then I was like, oh, well, obviously someone has to, you know, cover Rich. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I just attached myself to him. Um, we, we actually, uh, exchanged not information, but at one point I airdropped something to his phone. Uh-oh. So, you know, like we are close. So you, yeah, you're one of the few people who can ever say they've done that. Yes. Um, if he ever starts using that product that I name dropped to him, then I'm going to claim that, you know, that, that was all me. Well, uh. Beth, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, I feel like you've grown up on the podcast through the years. Yeah. I'll never forget your first interview. You were the first person I yep. interviewed on the podcast. So for anybody who wants to go back and listen, and now you are the 149th person. Wow. Or 49th episode, 149th yeah. episode. So a um, lot of great stories. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. And I asked you specifically to come on today uh, to share your testimony. And I want to kind of say that now for people listening that um, this is actually not going to be your fitness journey. We've already done that a few times. Yep. You came on and shared not just the very first time, but then you came back um, and shared more the second time. And then 
you and Jolene came on another time and talked about your experience on the six week challenge yeah. right around a year ago. Yeah. And I I know that was a a very we'll call it memorable time in your life mm-hmm. looking back. And I want you to kind of, you know, in the same way that I ask people about their fitness journeys, like give me backstory, mm-hmm. right? Give me what led you to last year? And then ultimately, I had the honor of baptizing yes. you um, just a little over a month ago, mm-hmm. and which was another memorable moment for yeah. you in this journey. And obviously, there's more to just those two moments last year and the baptism. But give me back backstory, relationship with Lord, with church, with um, like how, how you grew in your faith to where you are today. Sure. So I grew up in a Christian family. Um, both my parents, you know, I remember going to church from um, when I, as long as I can remember. Um, so I was raised in a good Christian home. We knew about God. Uh, in middle school and high school, we did, uh, my, my, ch- I went to a very small Episcopal church, so we didn't have a very big youth group. So I always went to youth group with like my Baptist <coughs> friends or, uh, other friends because they had bigger group. And, um, so I did youth groups and young life in high school. And looking back, um, I think I probably back then would have said definitely, you know, I had a relationship with Jesus and, and maybe I did, but for looking back, I think in, this won't be very hard to, for anyone to believe, but for me, it was about being social. I mean, I enjoyed being around people. I don't really necessarily like being the center of attention, but I like just being around people. I'm a people person. I fill my time. We were just talking about this with, we're, we're, I'm just a busy person. And um, so, you know, with at home, it was, we had just my sister and I, so I didn't have a big family to hang out with. So I went to church and hung out with my church friends. And, but when I went to college, um, chose to do other things, chose to start drinking. Um, I, I drank from a very young age. Um, So would you say that kind of in high school and junior high, like it was there, but it was just not in deep, deep, deeply rooted? Yes, it was there. I, 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 definitely believed in Jesus. I believed in God. I, I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus at all. Um, I didn't pray, you know, we prayed as a group, prayed as a family, but I never really prayed on my own. I didn't really spend any quiet time outside of like church or youth group type activities and, um, didn't really see a problem with the way I was living at all because I went to church. And I had so good, you, good Christian you, parents. Your thought of that was if I go to church, I can live kind of however I want or, you know, and you would have probably said, even though, you know, I'm not a really bad person, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, oh, I'm not, uh, you know, okay, yeah, maybe I'm breaking some of the commandments, but I'm not, you know, I'm not murdering people. I'm not committing adultery. Do you think that was something instilled from your church upbringing or more of like a moral upbringing? The the thought of like, oh, I'm not doing really bad things, you know, because. Yeah, um, I guess maybe, I don't, and I don't know where, I guess maybe because growing up in youth group, they stress, you know, things like waiting until you're married to have sex or, you know, the, the, the big things. Um they don't, my church didn't really get into this, what I would call the 
which is not true of the smaller sins, because I know now that all sin is sin, and it doesn't matter how big or how small. Um, Do you think you understood what sin was back when no, you were at that time? No, not really. I think, to me, I thought sin was committing murder, you know. So you had, like, a hierarchy of sins? Yeah, def- and definitely. And so, that basically, you have, like, a level 1 sin and a level 10 sin. And yeah. in your mind, you're like, I don't do the 8, 9s, and 10s, yeah. or, or, you know, I'm yeah. borderline... Right. You know, yeah. So, or it was like, well, I know this is wrong, but like, I go to church, so it's okay. Like, I, I can go and I can, you know, I was Episcopal, so we didn't do confession, but we confessed our sins every Sunday out loud. You know, we we said a confessional, and okay, well, would you have considered yourself spiritually lost? No, okay. I back then I wouldn't have. Looking back, yes, I was. Okay, I, so now now I now I know like now so look you. Now in 2019, looking back, you'd have said, actually, I was lost. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and it was nothing that my parents did wrong. Um, I would say. And you were in an environment to learn. Yeah. Right? Were, I mean, you I. You were attending church. Mm-hmm. You were and active. I think the only thing that I really regret is not engaging more with my parents, not talking about our faith. Um, like I said, we always we went to church. We, you know, we. We're Christians, you know, I would say, but um, I didn't learn until after my dad died um, how how strong his faith was. And even my mom's. Like, I knew my mom was a strong woman because she was able to take care of my dad for 10 years while he was sick. And I knew she couldn't have done that without God. So I knew, she, I, you know, I know they were both, but I, I knew so she I was. Know, I know I can just hear it in your tone <laughs> talking about your dad because yeah. you miss him so much. Yeah. How did you know he was strong in his faith after he died? Um, so just through talking to my mom about it and through my godmother. My godmother flew in for his service because uh, she's she's my godmother. And, and they were really good friends um, before Anne and I were born and um, while we were growing up. And she's a priest in the Episcopal Church. And so she came to do his service. And um, she she talked about how my dad almost went to seminary school. He almost, you know, gave up being an engineer at AM and to go to seminary school. And I looked back through all of his date books and I saw he, you know, because back then they didn't have, you know, phones or whatever. And he kept, he wrote down like Bible verses that he read every day. And he, he wrote down, you know, he was going to Bible study three or four times a week and meeting with Mary and with my godmother and, um, so my, you, he obviously had a very he, strong faith. He had a very strong faith. And he had, like, I, re- I read some of the things that he wrote for the church. He, he would write letters for the church, and sometimes they were published, I think. And he just, like, I wish I could have talked to him about that. I wish they would have talked to us more about it. Um, not that they didn't want to. I just, or I think, I don't know why. Um, we just didn't talk about certain things growing up. Um, and maybe, maybe they thought we were, we weren't old enough. And by the time we were old enough, my dad was sick and, uh, you know, he lost the ability to share his faith because his mind uh, was going. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't. I, my dad didn't die until uh, I think just two years ago, but he was lost ten years before that. I lost who he was. He stopped talking. 
you know, two years after he was diagnosed with dementia, and he was diagnosed at 55. How did that, um, I obviously know it affected you mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a lot of ways, but how did, it, was there any, like, did it affect you spiritually at all? Yeah, so, um, by the time that he got sick, this I was a, about to graduate A&M, so I was in my... So you went through college, you kind of did all the college things. I didn't go to church at all. I think I went to Breakaway, like, once, like, in college, and joined an organization that was about partying and drinking and um, a lot of drinking. And, and so I, you know, had completely, you know, if I thought, if, you know, I, I thought I was lost in high school, I was really lost in college. And um, so I didn't even know how to deal with my dad being, like getting diagnosed with his, with the sickness that he had. Um, and I just remember thinking like, and this is how a lot of my praying quote unquote with God went was God, if you could just do this, I'll do this. There was all that bartering, it was a bartering relationship. Like if you can just heal my dad, then I'll quit drinking or I'll, so of course, like that didn't happen. So then I just was kind of like, well, you're not, you know, you can't fix this. You're not going to fix this. So I was very angry because my dad is a he was a good person. He was a sweet, caring man. And why him? You know, I kept being like, why didn't you give this disease to somebody who, who deserves it? You know, not that anyone. I would never, like, wish that on anybody, but... You were um, just hurting. I was hurting. Yes. I was angry. So angry. Um, so for 10 years, I just kind of, like... Again, I would never have said that I wasn't a Christian, but there was certainly no relationship. You know, I only prayed when I needed something, you know. Give me some examples of that. Um, Memorable moments that you went to the Lord and prayed in that, whether it was, in you know, from 20 to 30. Um, oh, uh, dear Lord, please let this relationship work out. Um Please let me find someone to marry. I was very lonely. My sister got married and, you know, I was, you know, single and I very much, you know, didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up still. And um, so a lot of it was like, honestly, a lot of it was like, dear Lord, please like make this hangover go away. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's silly things like that to, um, you know, Lord, please, uh, I'm broke right now. If you could just magically make some money appear or this will happen or I mean even I mean I think even even last year I was still doing it you know I think we all do it kind of do that bartering thing because we just want things so badly um but I remember when my sister moved was moving to London and I said please I I like secretly didn't want her to go and I remember, like, if you could just make this like, something, like, make something fall through, and they're not going to move to London. Um, so, I mean, from the smallest things all the way up to the big things, you know, like, if, you know, please, Lord, towards the end, it was, please, Lord, let my dad finally die, because you're just tired of seeing him. We watched him suffer for 10 years, and... Um, in, in that, you know, season, did you go to church at all? Nope. And that was, um, so was there anything in that, we'll call it 25, I mean, I guess 
last year. Yeah. So every now and then I go to church with my mom. Um, St. Francis Episcopal Church is my home church um, here. And so I'd go every now and then, like Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day. <laughs> and when you heard the, the messages or... I rolled my eyes. I hated it. It made me cringe. Like, even when I started what? coming here, I was like, oh, God, we're praying before the workout. Like, I hate it. I, I refuse to close my eyes. I'd just be looking around. I'd just be like, this is so cheesy. Like, and even when I was in grad school, I had students who I, I would taught freshmen and and they'd come in and and they we'd spend time getting to know each other and they'd talk about Christ and their relationship with their parents and their church and I'd just like be like oh god this is so unprofessional like you shouldn't be sharing this this is like not what you're supposed to talk about in school and I hated it I didn't want to talk about God even though I was like well I'm still a Christian but like you don't talk about that like so what give me you know like <laughs> I would love for you to I think a lot of people can totally relate to what mm-hmm. you just said yeah and it, it, the coolest part about it is now you're on the, you're over, you're over here mm-hmm. you know it, it's like podcasts that i've done and you know people who i interview who work out at this gym are like they used to be like oh crossfit are you serious like no i'll never do mm-hmm. and then yeah they come over and they, and they drink the kool-aid and they do and, and then they share their story and they love the gym and yep. so but uh, but obviously, give me a little bit about like what was it about those messages when you would go home and go to church um, that that would bother you that would make you roll your eyes that. Um, I I think they just the the messages weren't like relatable to me. Like I still kind of felt like I was like okay and that I didn't have a problem, and so I just couldn't. I guess I just I didn't open my mind I went I went into those sermons or those messages thinking already thinking this is gonna be not for me uh, it doesn't apply to me um, you know what is a story about Paul has to do with me um, and so I just it's not that like there was one thing that made me cringe just just that my mind was totally shut off is that the same thing that you would feel when people would pray like in these groups or you know even in the gym or at those times is that the same exact thing um i almost felt like i almost felt like it was um fake like it was a because i always said that like i hated going to big churches because i was too concerned with like other people and like what everyone's wearing or what they're doing or like who in the room is single (laughs) like who can i meet later you know i was just concerned about other things and um, I think it was it was a period of my life where I was in grad school and um, you know it was what I was studying we, we very much were in the trenches of talking about race and um, homophobia and you know we came across a lot of people who um, who claimed to be Christians but refused to love certain people and I just was so... I just assumed that's how all Christians were for a while. And so if if you weren't, you know, hating people, then you were just doing things for a show. Kind of like a Pharisee, you know, just doing things to, to, so other people would think highly of you. And that's just what I thought about Christians. Even though, like, I still would have called myself a Christian. So I was like, well, I'm not going to be that Christian. So I didn't want to talk about my faith to anybody I, I didn't want to talk about Christianity at all. I didn't want, like, when people would say, like, oh, I'll pray for you, I'd be like, 
what good is that going to do? Yeah, you were looking at it more like this situation is really hard. Mm-hmm. That that prayer is not going to do anything. Yeah. And what are your thoughts now? Not don't give me like the full. Just in that area, like what. It- when somebody prays for you, when you hear somebody praying, mm-hmm. when you hear a message at church, like, yeah. what's the big difference? Um, so first of all, when somebody says they're, they're going to pray for me, like, first of all, I'm honored that with all the problems that are going on in this world, that somebody would think that I'm worthy of being prayed for. Um, and then, like, I feel comforted because I know that God listens. Um that doesn't mean like we always get what we want because what we want isn't always God's will, but it's an honor. And I, um, I know the power of prayer and I know, I think the reason why especially praying in bigger groups is different for me now is because I, I just know the power of community and I know how powerful it is when two people gather together to pray for something. Um, I mean, you know, the power of prayer. Um, and the messages now, I you know, I think it just it was just for me finding the right church. Not that the church, that my old church, was um, not a good church. Um, I just needed something a little bit different. Um, which is why when people, you know, say they're looking for a new church and they're trying different churches out, I I understand that because what works for somebody might not work for a different person. And and now I just. I hear a message, and even when it's not a sermon, when I read the Bible, everything I read, I find is applicable in my life. Um, so, in the last, whatever this was, eight minutes, you could have honestly argued that two completely different people were, were talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> From you. Oh, yeah. Then and now. And how, how did the bridge occur? How did you get from there, mm-hmm. which was like, how's that going to do anything? Yeah. Um, annoyed mm-hmm. um, to what you just said. Yeah. So I finally got to a breaking point where I was like, everything in my life was broken. And um, you, Charlie, have a really good way of getting down to the bottom of what the problem is and probably why you're a good trainer um because you get you're able to get out of me you just i think when i signed up for that six-week challenge um i think you just could tell how broken i was and i finally realized that that i couldn't do it on my own um and I just needed, I just needed to start a personal relationship and you, I think you knew that all I needed was a little bit of a push. You didn't like power me. You didn't, you didn't throw all these things in me. I'm just almost how like when you, as a trainer, when somebody's making changes, like you start with just writing down what food you're eating and then maybe in two weeks you start looking at the quality of food or the quantity um you're like hey i just want you to go to church like call jesse and go sit with jesse lee at a church and um how i got here i i i just 
So you got so that was how long ago? So that was just over a year ago. I want to say September September of last year. When we did our six week challenge. Yeah, and and um, I remember very clearly that yes, we had some nutritional objectives, (laughs) but we had one objective that was not nutritional. Yeah, and that was what for the six weeks. Uh, not there's not drinking there's going to and going to church every yes, sunday that was it yes we talked about that yes and you, and you committed to it yeah and tell me uh, kind of what happened again it's 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 been a year mm-hmm. um you're in a completely different place mm-hmm. there's people listening right now that care about you yeah and that you have touched and various ways which is what has led them to want to hear your story Mm -hmm. they they wouldn't be listening 24 minutes into this sorry guys (laughs) (laughs) unless they were um, continuously intrigued by what you're sharing and so you go to church for six weeks what Mm -hmm. happens in that period of time god finally or not finally i opened my mind to allowing Jesus into my life before, like I, like I said, I cringed. I wasn't, you know, I didn't accept people praying for me. I didn't want to. I, so I finally, I, I, every Sunday I had to tell myself, Beth, just, and I actually would pray about it. I said, Lord, please help me keep an open mind. Cause it, for even the first couple of weeks, I like dreaded going to church. Like it was fun, because I would see all my friends, because <laughs> we we know that Bryce's Fellowship is just one big extension of College Station CrossFit. Um, I I just prayed for an open mind and just that little bit of room that you give God, you give Him an inch and He just dives right in. He just takes over, and that's all I needed was to open my open my mind, open my heart a little bit, um, and once. I felt that warmth in my heart like I wanted it all of the time so it it Sundays went from being like the most dreaded day of the week to my favorite day of the week um because every message that I heard spoke to me like I would joke when I would see Will like well how did you know or Sam or whoever was Sean whoever was giving the message how did you know that's like exactly what I needed to hear you know this week um and I think it was finally probably about eight or six weeks in that I could finally make it through the praise and worship part without crying. <laughs> Why would you cry? I, because I just felt so loved and convicted. Um, I remember, like, this is after the six-week challenge because I had gone out the night before and I had gotten drunk. And woke up with a with a hangover and had made poor choices and went to church that morning. And I remember sitting there, like, up in the balcony, just, like, feeling for the first time, like, that I didn't have to feel shame. That God was, like, sitting next to me and that he loved me. And I think... I finally realized that there wasn't anything that I could do to make God not love me, um, despite all of the screw ups. And so, and you never realized that in your life. No, like I, no, like I couldn't. 
you know, every, I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't ever do enough to make myself feel like I was worthy of him. So I just wasn't even going to try. Um, and that was probably part of the reason why I just stayed away. Like, well, I'm not good enough. It's like, what's the point? Um, and I finally realized that, like, I don't have to do anything. Like, God already loves, God loves me. Like, he already paid that price. He already paid that debt for me. Like, I don't need to hide my problems anymore. Um, I don't, you know, need to feel shame and fear. Um, because, like, everybody has that. I mean, every, everybody sins and... Um, you know, there is nothing Mother Teresa can do to get herself into heaven. Like, you know, we, I can't do it alone. And that was the big, like, aha moment. Um, and probably the other moment of how, where I am today is realizing that I am, I am not, my value is not determined on what I've done in the past or where I've been or what I haven't done. Like, that does not matter. That does not define who I am today. So I finally, it took me a, took me like 12 weeks. I went through a counseling program where, you know, I addressed all the things that happened to me when I was growing up that have affected and have shaped my behavior in the past and finally gave all that up. I mean, said everything out loud, you know, told people about the things that I have done and put it all on the table. And God was like, all right wipe clean like i already wiped that clean he's like that's in the past and what do you think it is about bringing those things to the light you know scripture talks about Mm -hmm. um the light and the darkness Mm -hmm. and when we keep our secrets when we keep our shame in the darkness Mm -hmm. we feel the way you felt yeah um and we shove it down and Mm -hmm. try not to deal with it but it it comes back yeah and when you bring it to the light you, you free yourself of yep. it. And so for you in that moment of sharing and, and, and living really in authenticity and transparency mm-hmm. and um, shameless, right? Yeah. Um, wh- where did that start and where is it now? So, yeah, like I used to hide everything. Um, I hid how much I was drinking. Um the choices I was making, um, and even, you know, people, things that I was doing. Um, and when you keep things inside, that's, that's where shame comes in because, you know, it, you, it makes you think that you can handle it on your own, or it makes you think that nobody else is dealing with the same problems that you're dealing with. And so now I recognize one, that if I have something that I want to keep to myself, I know that I shouldn't be doing it. I know that it's probably wrong. Um, But I also know that when you put it out there on the table and you confess it to somebody, um, one, you feel way better. And then you realize that uh, everyone has pretty much the same story. Um, And I think what helped was finding a community of women that I can talk to. And I remember telling you... uh, (laughs) I had said to you at some point before last year, oh, there's some sort of like 
women's retreat that somebody wants me to go to. And oh, Charlie, I don't want to go. Like, I want to go to your retreat and like work out and like do your guy thing. I don't want to go sit with a bunch of women and like talk about feelings. Like that was terrifying to me because I had so much hidden inside that I didn't want anyone to know. And now that I'm in a small group and I, you know, I've been to a, an all women's conference. I just know the benefit of having a group of people that, that know your story and, know your triggers and they know um your pains but also your joys um so describe to me the difference between a small group and a happy hour group oh god (laughs) um yeah my small group they know me and they want to know me and they know the real me and i know the real them and we talk about hard stuff like, people that I go to happy hour with or used to go to happy hour with, they would ask about my life, but it was so that they could hear gossip. Or they could gossip about other... They didn't care about my my spirit and my soul. They didn't care at all. Um, so now, like, I don't... I don't want to be friends with somebody that that doesn't want to know me and... Or doesn't want me to know them. Like, um, and small groups, my small group is probably, I've had more fun with them than I could have, that I've ever had on any happy hour. And I've had some fun happy hours. <laughs> yeah, so let's be honest. I've, there's probably been <laughs> some awesome happy hours. Yeah, like, I hang out with some fun people. Like, I, I get to do happy hours at, at work and with some really fun people. But, like, well, and, yes, it's... I, it's that those aren't those people don't know me and I don't so and yeah. that leads me to the next question what is the purpose of the small group I, I think it's for to support each other I mean it's to grow each other to grow together it's just it's it's almost like just it's just it's it's a place where you go and it's being in Christ. Um, not to say that we, you know, like we're sitting in church and we're like praying and singing hymns. Like a small group is just somewhere. It just it's just where you go and it's life. It's real. It's real life. Um, and it's people that love you and support you. Um, where you can talk about what's what's right and what's wrong and. Um, you can confess the things that are deep on your heart and hurting your heart or things that you're, it's where you can go and ask questions. Um, I think one of the biggest things that's changed in me in the last year, two things. One, like, I know what sin is. And I know that I'm a sinful person but the difference is now is now that I when I do those things it hurts it hurts my heart because I know that it hurts God and I could now I know um, you know before I'd go out and I'd get drunk and I didn't see a problem with that now I know um, that there are things in my life that I do that are wrong and and that's when I take to my small group and I share with them. And they hold me accountable. Um, and I think the second thing that's changed is, and this has probably changed in the last 
three months, honestly, Charlie, is I don't like I want to share with everyone my faith. Like I want to share, I want to tell everyone about Christ because I realize that just because you're a good person doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be in heaven. And I, and I, you have to be a believer and you have to accept Christ into your heart and know that that is the only way to heaven. And I don't want anyone to miss out on that party (laughs) when he comes back. And so now I, in everything I do and I screw up all the time, um, everything I do, I want people to see Christ in everything I do. And I want to share it with everyone, um, all the time, which, um, so there are people in my life that, you know, I'm just loving on extra hard because I don't know where they stand. And it breaks my heart to think that they might not be in heaven. Um, because they don't have a personal relationship. They're, they're good people, but they don't have a personal relationship. And that breaks my heart. When you say that happened three mo- about the last three months ago, what, what triggered that? What was something that you remember that made you start feeling that way? Um, I think I just started diving into the Word um, and really thinking about... Um, what it means, what it's going to mean when Christ comes back. Um, it was finding the right small group, finding a good group of girls, um, and just having fun with them and wanting everyone to be able to have that kind of fun. Um, I think God also really pressed on my heart that, like, I can't do it by myself. Um, you know, even after I got baptized, like, I was like, okay, I'm good now. I got this. Like, I am strong. Baptized. Got a small group. I don't need to do quiet time. I don't need to do this. And, like, you know, Charlie, that, like, God was like, all right, bet. <laughs> like, let me make sure that you know that you need me. Um, and I just, and so I, I guess I realized that everyone needs Christ, and I want to make sure everybody has that. So what led to the baptism decision? I was kind of like I wanted to make a, a public like statement that this is who I am. Um, part of it was so that so that uh, people could, would hold me accountable. Um, it was a statement of I now have a personal relationship and I now am a Christian and I am a disciple. Like I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, yes, but I'm a disciple first. Um, and that means I'm going to, like, I'm walking with the Lord and I want people to know that. Um, I want people to see that and be like, well, why, like, why did you do that? Um, part of it was because I wanted to be able to tell my family where I was. Um, and I knew that it would, it would get my sister to come to church with me. Um, and I wanted her to see Bryce's fellowship and I wanted her to experience what I've been experiencing. Um, but a lot of it was accountability, I want to be held accountable. So this has been so great. And the title of the podcast Mm -hmm. is Building Better People. This only took 149 episodes to ask. (laughs) But I believe with all my heart 
that when you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, you become a better, better version of you. Yep. And now you know the real heartbeat of this gym. Yes. And how is that true for you? How has growing in a relationship with Jesus and uh, pursuing that relationship made Beth a better version of Beth? Um, I think it has made me um, be a better friend. Um, it it makes me love every everybody. Um, it has taught me that the only thing I can do to bring my it has made me realize that my only job is to bring people to Christ and the only way that I can do that is to love people and love on them so if, if you're listening and you need some love come come see me because I got a lot to give uh, my heart is literally it is like the Grinch it is literally bursting with love and I just want to give that to everybody Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Building Better People podcast where you will hear more stories of individuals being positively impacted by living a healthy lifestyle.